Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. I believe that each of us here will have a, leave a legacy with our life. The question or not is what, the question is not whether we will leave a legacy, but what legacy will we leave? I understand you just came out of a message series on relationships, and I want to come in and give you an additional thought, not on relationships, but on what does it mean to have a living legacy or legacy living? What will you leave? See, here's the bottom line. Will your legacy that you leave be one that you have intentionally created? What is legacy living? I would submit to you it's this. A life is what you live, but a legacy is what you leave. I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about cars and Lambos and Ferraris and all those things that we see running up down the streets and G-Wagons. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what legacy will you leave as an inheritance for your children and your children's children, which we read about in the book of Proverbs. I'm talking about a spiritual inheritance that you're going to pass on because of decisions that you make right now. So today I want to just tell you, if you're in this room and you're 18 to 35 years old, this will be one of the most important things you think about this week. What am I going to leave? What legacy am I going to leave? Why is that so important for all of us? You're 18 to 35 years old. Here's the reason why. Because the decision you make today and tomorrow affects the legacy you leave 45 years from now. You don't all of a sudden wake up at 70 years old and go, I left a spiritual inheritance for my children or my grandchildren. No, it started at decisions at 18 and 19 and 20 and 25 and 30 and 35. Let me just say to you, the person you date can affect your legacy. That's why we do encounters. That's why we have these moments for us to engage with students because we're trying to get you to lean into God's presence and God's power that will revolutionize your life and leave a spiritual legacy for you. And here's the good news. I just want to tell you, how many of you screwed up in this room and you're honest enough to admit it? I've messed up, Pastor. Thank you. The rest of you are liars. No, I'm just kidding. We've all messed up. If I told you my past, I don't, I'm not qualified to stand on this stage. Liar, cheater, adulterer, fornicator, all those things was my past. But guess what? Thank you, Jesus, for the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus that forgives every sin, that wipes it away, that makes our lives brand new. And we're not qualified. But how do you know we're sanctified? And we're sanctified. We can be satisfied because greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. And your past is not your present. And your present is not your future. And where you've been is not where you're going because God has something amazing for you. All it takes is a little shift in our perspective to see what God wants to do in our life. And I want to tell you, if you're sitting here in the sound of my voice, you're watching with us online, I don't care what your past is. It's not going to be your future. I mean, Jesus writes a better story for our lives. So where you came from, how you were raised... What you had to eat growing up, I don't care about any of that. I don't care about your grandmother's name and your dad's. I don't care about it. I don't care if you even know your dad. Because here's what you do know. Today, you know you have a heavenly father who loves you and is for you and has a great plan for your life. Amen? Amen. I'm going to talk to you just for a couple of moments about legacy living. I'm going to talk to you about a very sobering reality that we face in our world. And I'm going to give you five truths that will help us leave a spiritual inheritance as we move into the end of the message. Are you ready? Yes. 
let's go. I was sharing dinner with the family recently and they asked this question. I thought it was so impactful. They said, can you tell me the names of your eight great grandparents? I said, I can't even remember my mama's name half the time <laughs> or her birthday, much less her mom and her grandma. Can you tell me the eight names of your great grandparents that you have? If so, can you tell me one trait that was evident in their life? My dad's parents were Vera Beach. Her parents were Callie Tyner and Charlie Tyner. How many of you know back in the 1800s, they were still had some, some cool names back in the day? <laughs> My grandfather, not so much. My dad's grandparents were Paintney Beach and Nan Beach. They struggled a little bit. <laughs> They're from South Georgia. <clears throat> My mom's grandparents were Lessie Jane Hazlett. My great-grandfather on my mom's side, his grandparents were Joseph Ross Sword and Martha Jane Sword. I don't know anything about these people. I know a little bit about my mom's grandfather from her father's side. I know that he owned a small grocery store, a provision shop in North Florida on the Panhandle area. I know he was a kind and a generous man and that he helped those in need. And that's the only thing I know about him. I don't know anything about the other seven grandparents, great-grandparents. I'm not here to throw shade on my family or to say anything negative. I'm just simply saying the legacy that they have perhaps stopped with my mom and her faint memories, and they were never translated or transferred down to me. And here's, my, here's what I want us to think about. So the Bible talks about legacy in powerful ways. If you look at Psalms chapter 39, verses 4 through 5, if you have your Bible or your device, look at it with me. If not, it'll be on the screen for you. It says this, Lord, remind me how brief my time on this earth will be. This is a psalmist writing. Remind me. God, in other words, let me know. Don't let me forget that my days are numbered and my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer the width of my hand, but an entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. You see, the world tells us don't live for tomorrow, just worry about today. Just enjoy the pleasure of today, don't worry about tomorrow. But the Bible gives us a different perspective to live from. Don't just live in the moment, but think about eternity and what will be happening at that point in time in our lives when we step into it. Why does legacy matter? Hebrews 9 verse 27 tells us this, man is destined to die once. Here's the bottom line. We must take our life seriously. I say it like this often to our church. Each day that we're given when we have breath to breathe and strength to get up is a gift to be stewarded. I don't care if you're 14 years old or you're 95 years old. Each day is a gift to be stewarded. We have to steward it well. Why is that so important? The Gospel Coalition is a research organization that helps us understand missions and missiological thinking around the world. It says it this way, 55.3 million people die each year. 55.3 million people die every year. And now you're like, oh man, that's kind of like a little bit, not, that's not encouraging. Well, it can be, but what it is, is it's sobering for us to understand that at some point, the Bible says it's appointed unto man and woman wants to die and then the judgment. So we know all of us at some point are going to step into eternity at some point in time that God has pre-selected. 
151,600 people die each day. 6,316 people die each hour. 105 people die each minute. With those stats, and when I share with you about my great-grandparents, here's the question I have for you to think about. How can I leave a legacy that is lasting and will be remembered? If you do nothing else today, I want you to write down that question. How can I leave a legacy that is lasting and will be remembered? And I'm going to help you with that today. Psalms chapter 112, verse 6 says it like this. A righteous Man, and we can put woman in front of that, a righteous man, I like the word person, a righteous man will be remembered forever. Think about it. Think about the people that you choose to remember in your life, the people who are kind and generous and helpful. Think about people that you want to dismiss out of your life, those who are, who are, who are, um, not kind, who are unkind, who abuse, who take advantage of. We call them up where I'm from in Alabama, shysters. Do you know what that means down here? Shyster. Yeah, or my wife from Louisiana, they call them rats. They're, they're, they're just not kind people. They're just a nuisance, that, that kind of situation. And so those people were quickly forgotten. So here's my point. If a righteous man is remembered forever, what does that mean for all of us in this room today? It simply means that, that those who intentionally do something productive with their lives are remembered long after their funeral. I'm not talking about salvation. Salvation is a free gift from the grace of God in our life. We don't earn salvation. It's a free gift from Jesus. I'm talking about what do we do once we are saved? Once we have a knowledge of the Savior, what do we do with that information? Because that motivates us to do something. I don't buy it to a fact for any one moment that a person can be a Christ follower and not do anything. I don't believe that. You have a false understanding of salvation. Why? Because when you get saved and you truly understand God saved me from the depravity of my sin, he saved me from the horrible life I created for myself, from my pride and my lust and my situation, you can do nothing but give him praise, glory, and honor and share that with other people, everybody. That's the only option we have. I want to tell you what happened to me yesterday. I'm walking down in a, in a little town over here, and I, I could tell you the name of it, but I won't do it with your pastor. And a guy comes up to me, asks me this amazing question. He said, hey, he goes, I got something for you. He goes, if you can tell me the name of a snake that ends with K, I'll give you a free lollipop. <laughs> you know that lollipop I'm talking about. CBD or one of those things. But if you don't get it right, then you make a donation to Cancer Research. And Pastor John, the amazing, godly, kind gentleman he was, he said, hey, bro, I don't need a lollipop. He said, but I tell you what, he said, we lead a church over here. Would you like to come and be a part of it? The guy was like, what church? So he started telling him about Calvary. Here's what we do. Come in. You're going to be connected. People are going to have a great time. He's like, give me some information. So he's giving him information about Calvary. So he was trying to give me a lollipop and we're giving him Jesus. How I many, who gets the better deal, everybody? Come on. Why is that important? Because Pastor John knows, hey, one moment in Calvary Church and a worship experience, and you don't need no lollipop. You got the best of the best when Jesus invades your space, invades your life, and you're changed forevermore. Come on, everybody. We got the solution for the world. This is why we can leave a legacy. The question is, what will you be remembered for? And I want to say it to you like this. Believe me, you don't want a short funeral. I had the privilege of serving families when they lose a loved one. And oftentimes I meet with them before and I say, give me a word to describe your relative. Give me a word to describe them so in their celebration of life we can honor them appropriately. And we hear words like this. They were loving. They were kind. They were faithful. They were integrous. They were generous. They were thoughtful. They were a protector. 
They're respectful. They're a peacemaker. They were a leader. But oftentimes in those private conversations, there's other descriptive words that are used that is the reality of that person's legacy. And it's words like this, they were distant. They were angry. They were hard to please. They were discontent. They were unsatisfied. They were unforgiving. They were controlling. They were difficult. They were unkind and or they were abusive. Today, I wanna give you five truths from God's word that you can apply in your life to help you begin legacy living no matter where you are in your life at this point. If you, want to live a le- if you want to leave a legacy, a spiritual inheritance, something that really matters when everything else is burned up, as the Bible tells us, wood, hay, and stubble, it's all going to burn up in the end. Here's what you do. The first one is simply this. You're taking notes, write it down. You got to live with integrity. You got to live with integrity. In a world where black and white is skewed and everything is gray and morality is, is confused and truth is confused by society and culture and by political affiliations and it all becomes a blur. That's exactly what the enemy wants to happen in our lives. Why? Because we know the truth. Because what happens, the enemy is smart. He's not an idiot, he's smart. He knows the truth. Matter of fact, he understands the scripture. He says, the Bible says, if you know the truth, the truth will what? Make you or set you free. The enemy knows that. So guess what? If he knows the truth, will make you free. Guess what? He wants you nowhere around the truth. He don't want you around the truth. He don't want your kids around the truth. He don't want your nieces and nephews around the truth. He don't want your neighbors around the truth. He don't want your coworkers around the truth. He don't want you telling the truth. Why? Because the truth will set you free. And guess what? Just like it sets you free, it'll set me free and it'll set everybody free in our city. And it will change things when the truth becomes delight in people's lives. They are changed for, for, for an eternal purpose. So we have to live with integrity. Why is it important? Because a good name, it says in Proverbs 22, 1, is desirable than great, more desirable than great riches to be esteemed better than silver or gold. Amen. Told Pastor Alex, one of my dreams that one day is I'm going to get me a big old Cuban chain. <laughs> I'm going to unbutton my shirt getting ready for it in faith. I got it buttoned up because I ain't got nothing. I just put it up here like this. I was telling my wife, he knows for 16 years. But when he came into town, the preacher, the first time I said, Pastor Alex, would you please tell Ellen, is my wife, she's an amazing lady, she's probably watching the line right now, would you please tell her that every man like me, a handsome stallion, needs a big old Cuban chain? <laughs> she goes, Lord Jesus, please pray for me. So I told her, I said, you can get me one and I'm going to wear it nice. I said, when we get to be 70, I'm going to get a big old thick one about this big around. And I ain't going to wear a shirt and I'm going to walk down the beach and I'm just walking around like this. A good name is to be chosen better than great riches, more valuable than silver or gold. In other words, a great name is your most valuable asset. For several decades, there's been an article published in the beginning of every year that talks about the 30 most admirable men in America. As you think about that list, I can promise you R. Kelly's not on it, Drake, Lil Wayne, Nas, or Future, they didn't make that list. And there's a reason for that. We thank God for their talent, we wish they'd clean up their music a little bit and their act, but overall, they're not on there. And why is that? Because there's only one man who's made that list every year who's now died. And every year he was alive, he made it for 30 years in a row. Does anyone know who this man might be? Maybe you've heard of him, maybe you haven't. His name was Billy Graham. 
America's pastor, he was called, one of the, the greatest evangelists of our time, leading hundreds of millions of people to Jesus. 30 years in a row, why was he in that list? Because he lived with integrity. He chose a good name above riches. He made decisions in his 20s and 30s and 40s that lined up with God's word instead of how he felt and what he thought he wanted to do in the moment. He understood truth and it brought freedom into his life. A good name. So then what makes your name good is the question. What makes me have a good name? I believe a good name comes from being truthful, from keeping your word and making sure your words and actions line up. Let me ask you a question today. Have you ever been around someone who was all talk and no action? Unreliable, not dependable, dishonest, promise breaker, all talk and no results. You know what I love about scripture? Scripture covers everything that we need to know in life. It talks about people who are like that. It really does. Look at Proverbs 25 verse 14. Look at this with me. It's powerful. It said, like clouds and wind without rain is a man of, who boasts of gifts he does not give. In other words, you, you live in Miami, you know, we grow up, that big gray cloud will come over. You're thinking, man, it's been dry, it's been hot, we need some refreshing. And it just hovers over a few minutes and it's kind of dark and overcast shadow and it moves on. It didn't drop a drop of any kind of precipitation. And that's what it's talking about. A person who makes promises. I like to say this, a lot of noise and rumble, but no rain. A lot of talk and a lot of game, but no results. Playing basketball growing up. My dad, I grew up in a very poor family in Northwest Florida. Actually, my dad owned a business and filed bankruptcy twice and struggled. And he finally figured it out in our later 40s. But I was, he would work hard. He'd say, I can buy you some basketball shoes. This was way before Jordan's. I'm going to tell you straight up. We had an old ugly Reeboks. I mean, some Reeboks with a green stripe on the side. I was like, what is that? Vintage. I think needs to be burnt. <laughs> so anyways... <clears throat> He worked hard and got me some of those and we were playing and it was amazing. And I would go to him after the game. I'd be like, man, I don't know what happened and I didn't do this, I didn't do that. Or I'd come to him after practice and I'm like, I'm struggling. And he'd be buying me shorts and compression shorts and I'd get everything I needed and be ready to go. And I got in the car one day and my dad had grown up as an athlete playing ball himself. I said, I don't know, it's, just, it's not right and I need to do this and the coach wouldn't coach me up and won't tell me this one. And he looked at me, he said, can I, can I help you with something? I said, yeah, he goes, here's what I want you to know. How you practice is how you're gonna play. He said, if you don't wanna practice, and please give me some grace, he said, you need to put up or shut up. So guess what I did? I said, I'm not gonna be complaining anymore. I'm gonna own my business, and I'm gonna start playing, and I'm gonna stay 30 minutes prior and 30 minutes after, and I'm gonna get better. And I'm gonna take ownership for my actions in my life to become the man that God wanted me to be, and then God will take care of everything else. And the next season, our team went 10 and 0 in high school basketball. We were taking care of business, everybody. And I wasn't over there on the pond riding it, all right? Here's the thing. How many of you have had unkept promises? I promised Pastor Spencer tomorrow, I'm gonna go and do the right thing. Pastor Alex preached an amazing message on relationships. And I know I've been dating this shady joker and tomorrow I'm gonna go break up with him. I know she's not best for me and I know it's an ungodly relationship. Tomorrow, I promise I'm just gonna break up with them. I know it's not helping me my relationship with God move forward. I'm just, I'm gonna get out of this toxic relationship. Or pastor, I know what you're talking about. I'm gonna quit going to the club and I'm gonna stop drinking. I'm not gonna drink as much or I'm gonna get off the weed or I'm gonna get off, I'm gonna get off all the stuff. And we keep making promise after promise after promise. If you're married, you tell your wife, sweetheart, I'll be home by six or 6.30 and you get home at seven every night. 
breaking promises. See, I know this is a challenging truth that we all deal with in our life, but if you wanna be a difference maker and leave a legacy, it starts with I, how will I walk in integrity? Can we walk in integrity? Yes. Will it be hard to walk in integrity? Absolutely, because if it's easy, everybody would be doing it. But it's an intentional decision with God's help that I'm gonna walk in integrity and leave a good name when I'm done at the end of this life. David prayed it in Psalms 101 verse two. He says, I will try to walk a blameless path, but God, how I need your help, especially in my own home where I long to act as I should. That verse simply means, man, how I many of we blow it at home more than anything else? We put our best foot forward in our work and our friends and our social circles and our hangouts and what we post on the gram. All that looks great, but at home, sometimes we are treacherous individuals. We got challenges. We got problems. So we need to work it out. I would submit some to you. Can I talk to you people who are dating just for a moment? I'm not here about to talk about that, but I'm gonna give you a little extra. If the person you're dating is not someone you wanna serve for the rest of your life, please text them right now and break up with them in service. What if they're sitting beside me, pastor? Go to the bathroom and text them and then leave. We got security up in here if they get cray cray. If you can't text them and break up with them in church, you can't do it anywhere else. I can promise you that. What they gonna say? Oh, Jesus. That's what they need to be saying. Some of you in this room are settled for seconds and God has his best for you. Some of you ladies have convinced yourself, I don't deserve any better than this. And I'm telling you, God's a father. He wants to give you his absolute best. You don't have to settle for plated gold when he wants to give you 24 karat. If you don't get nothing else from me today, I come all from Huntsville, Alabama, the Rocket City to tell you, you don't have to settle in your relationships. If you don't see yourself serving this person the rest of your life, or you don't see that person you're dating trying to serve you to the best of their ability, get out of that relationship now, not if you're married, if you're dating. <laughs> I see them signs in Miami, $300 divorce tomorrow. That ain't what we talking about. You're like, man, I could drive three Uber rides the next few days and get a money and get $300. She's gonna be gone. All my headaches are going away. No, no, if you're married, you're in your best marriage. Stay in it, love her, pray for her, cherish her, honor her, and God will restore what's been, the enemy's been taking out of your life. Woo, come on, everybody. Look at, this, look at this quote with me. Success is not impressing those who don't know us, but keeping the respect of those who know us best. Leave it up just for a moment. But keeping the respect of those who know us best. Do you want to be a person who, lives, who leaves a legacy? Number two, write it down if you're taking notes. Serve with intensity. Serve with intensity. Hear me clearly. Make up your mind today that you'll spend the rest of your life making a difference in the lives of other people. If you're married, start with your spouse. How can I meet your needs? How can I serve you? If you're dating, serve the church, everybody. Come on. And if your partner don't want to serve the church with you, send them that text and get rid of them today. I'm just freeing everybody in this room. Come on. Serve the vision of this church. Serve the vision that Jesus has given your pastors to rock Miami, Florida, and even the world. Come on, everybody. I listen to Vision Sunday. Have you been listening to Vision Sunday from your leaders? 
$1 million you've invested in seven years. Who does something like that? That's amazing. God's hand is on this church, and you're in the right place to grow and thrive and be a part of living a legacy. That's what I'm talking about. I'm going to give an offering today before I leave. I want to be a part of it. I'm serious. Proverbs 14, 21, you'll earn the trust and respect of others if you work for good. People say to me, Pastor, where do I find somebody to do life with in the church? Connect groups. Connect groups. You got them for all ages and all spaces and all kind of interests. Get in connect groups and be a part of it. I'm talking about doing something with our life that makes a difference in someone else's life. Do you know in this room right now, while we're hearing and listening and growing and being taught, there's dream teamers that are making a difference. There's someone right now teaching the word to our kids, rocking an infant, walking around providing safety, running the sound system, making coffee. There's people doing all kinds of things on this property so we can engage and enjoy God's presence. Come on. Mary, let's give a hand of all our dream teamers, everybody. Come on. Woo, dream team, let's go. In John 6, verse 27, Jesus says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures into eternal life. In other words, you work to make an income, provide for your family, to leave an inheritance in that way, but make a difference in someone else's life and start with your family, your church family, and your friends. Number three, let's go give generously. Give generously. I'll tell you straight up front, I would not date or marry a person who's not generous. If they're stingy, don't, don't date or marry them. You're going to be miserable. I'm not talking about good stewardship. There's two very different things. Because first person's a good stewardship, they can be generous because they steward and manage their money well. You need to marry a good steward. Give generously. Proverbs, Psalms 112 verse 9. Excuse me, they that share freely and give generously to those in need. Look at it with me. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have, look at this, influence and honor. Influence and honor. I'm talking about giving generously of our time serving our treasure. I don't know about you, but I think about my funeral often. I'm like, man, when the pastor, whoever is, is standing over my casket and is encouraging the people and telling them about my life, I want them to say he was known as a man who was generous. He loved heart for the house. He loved missions. He loved girls who'd been trafficked. He loved our kids. He loved Calvary. He wanted to be a part of everything. And he gave as much as he could, as often as he could, because he knew God would honor his gifts. And according to scripture, God gives us the key to giving generously and it all starts with giving back to him. And I'm gonna just say this and I'm not here to preach about all this, but it starts with the tithe. Your pastor just taught you about the tithe in a beautiful way. I, I say it to my church often, we don't have to give, we get to give. Somehow we got this confused with religion that we, we have to do, so you don't have to do anything. God invites you into a blessed life by returning the tithe that belongs to him and he takes care of everything else. We get to give. But I'm gonna tell you, every time you come here, you gotta be in my pockets, get it out loud, swipe my card, whatever I can do. I, I wanna be a part of giving generously. Why? Because I get to do it. Amen. The Bible talks about hilarious giving. It's just funny to watch God work in ways he does, and things he does. Can, can I just submit this to you? I'm gonna move on, I promise. Do you know why we get to enjoy what we get to enjoy here? It's because people laid a foundation and gave years ago. We're enjoying the fruit of someone else's generosity from years ago. So the question is, what's the fruit people are gonna be eating five and 10 years from now as a result of our generosity? We gonna give them some nasty dried up orange or are we gonna give them something juicy and ripe that brings life to them? What are we gonna give them? We have a choice to do it. And God's empowered you to do it and resource you to do it. It's simply just saying, God, I trust you. And here it is, God, it all belongs to you. God, would you bless and multiply? And let's see what God will do. 
Proverbs eleven twenty five: a generous man will prosper, but he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I don't know about you, but I want to be refreshed. I want God to refresh me. At the core, in the heart of God, he's a giver. And when ever someone emulates that behavior, he relishes and delights in it. Matter of fact, I want to just share this. I know some of you think sometimes, well, pastor, what about the vision in my heart? And what about the dreams in my heart? And what about what I want to do? And what about the resources that I have and, and my goals? I want to encourage you. I've never seen someone who's generous in the church who God has not blessed and brought their dreams and visions to pass. I've never seen that. Why? Look at this with me. I'm going to share with you a quote. It's simply this. It says, the key to fulfilling... What is in your heart is to be faithful with what's in your hand. The key to fulfilling what's in your heart is to be faithful with what's in your hand. What you do with what you have now will determine with what the vision that God has in your heart and how that's played out. So I encourage you, be faithful. Scripture teaches us in Proverbs 29, verse 23, arrogance will bring your downfall, but if you're humble, you'll be respected, generous, give. Serve, live. Leads me to my, sorry, number fourth point. Become one who succeeds with humility. Number four, become one who succeeds with humility. Our keyboard's gonna come up in just a minute and start playing. The most important influential people in the Bible were not necessarily the most powerful ones, but the ones who were humble. Proverbs 29, 23, let me say it again. Arrogance will bring your downfall, but if you're humble, you'll be respected. Leads me to number five. I'm gonna close it up in just a minute. Share Christ with urgency. If you wanna live a life of legacy, you gotta share Christ with urgency. To reach our neighbors, our friends, our family, our coworkers. Why? Because time is short. Thousands dying daily going to a Christless eternity. I told you 55.1 or 55.6 million people die every year. You know what the other stats about that are? Is it's estimated that 30 million of those who die, die each year without Christ. 30 million people a year die without Christ. And guess what? We can change that. We've been called to change that. Your relationships matters. Your family matters. Your serve matters. Your giving matters. Your humility matters. Everything matters. Why? Because each of us are leaving a legacy. The question is, what will it be? 2 Peter 3, 9, we know what Jesus says about this. In 2 Peter 3, 9, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. If that's God's perspective and that's God's mission, it has to become ours. It has to become ours. I believe that many people in our world are one conversation away from knowing Christ if we simply introduce them to him. It's our responsibility. It's the privilege of introducing someone to Jesus. A couple of takeaways. To leave a legacy, it's just gonna take focus on what God's asking us to do. I'm gonna give you a story. There was a man who was a raging alcoholic He lived in South Georgia. He would drink and drink and drink and over a period of time, he would be drunk six or seven days a week for about 40 years of his life. He ended up retiring and moved to North Florida and he was married to his wife. They had 16 children. He was vile, he was angry, he was bitter, he was mad. 
But every Sunday there was a pastor in a small, non-denominational, spirit-filled church who would go out in the community and knock on doors and invite people to his church on Sunday. And every Saturday he would go by and knock on this man's door. The man would open the door, he would be inebriated. And he would begin to say vile, unkind things to this pastor using words that we would never even want to come out of our mouth. But Saturday after Saturday after Saturday, year after year after year, he would go and knock on the door again. Would you want to come to my church? Would you want to come? Get out of here. Get out of my yard and slam the door. That man had attention in his life with his marriage. And his wife on a Tuesday said to him, I can no longer live in this kind of a relationship with you. I'm gonna go stay with our oldest daughter who was an adult at that point. I can't live this life anymore. And so his wife moved out. He was devastated. He was broken. The following Saturday, the pastor comes like he always does and knocks on the door. And the man opened the door and he said, I just wanna invite you. Would you like to come to church this Sunday? And that Saturday, that man wasn't drunk. And he looked at that pastor and he said, maybe I should because nothing else in my life is working. That pastor said, can I talk to you? He said, yes, come in my house. And he sat down in that man's living room and he explained to him the plan of salvation, how God gave his life for every sin and every iniquity and every shortcoming and every, every downfall. God gave his, his sons like Jesus for all of that. And he gave that man an invitation and said, would you like for your sins to be forgiven? And that man said, yes. I need to do something different, yes. And that pastor led him in the sinner's prayer. And that man received Christ as his Lord and Savior. 16 children, as a result, begin to know God. Over 300 grandchildren begin to know God. Pastors begin to become out of his grandkids. Missionaries begin to come out of his grandkids. Teachers begin to come out of his grandkids. Life group leaders out of his grandkids. Some of those grandkids of his were able to become pastors and missionaries and go teach around the world. And hundreds of thousands of people's lives were changed. Why is that important? Why is it so important? Because that man who was a raging alcoholic, who got invited by a pastor who wouldn't quit knocking on his door, was my grandfather. I may not be standing here in front of you today had someone quit. I may not be standing here in front of you today had he didn't knock one more time. I may not be standing in front of you today he didn't say, hey, sir, would you just give me one more opportunity? I just want to tell you about a God who loves you unconditionally. He don't care where you've been. He don't care what you've done. He don't care how drunk you've been. He don't care how vile you've been. He has a plan for your life. Do you want to receive the life-giving power of Jesus in your life? If you say yes, he'll meet you right where you are. Come on, let's give Jesus praise, everybody. He, let's give Jesus praise. He deserves it. Give Jesus praise. He deserves it. Come on. Just stand to your feet all over this room. Come on, stand your feet all over this room today. I'm here because of a man who didn't quit asking. Can you imagine just for me, just for a moment, I'm gonna pray, we're gonna be done. Just for a moment, just think with me just for a moment. That 
pastor the spiritual legacy he has. Cussed out week after week after week, but he didn't quit because he understood that Jesus gave his life for the most vile people in the world. He gave his life for it. That pastor had no idea that that man's grandson would stand in front of tens of thousands of people as a missionary in India and give Hindus and Muslims and non-believers a chance to meet Jesus and rescue over 40,000 prostitutes. He had no idea what he was doing. But God knows. My grandfather, at 89 years old, when he's laying on his deathbed, he looked at me, he said, son, if you don't do anything else for the rest of your life, serve Jesus. Serve Jesus. And I'm saying this to you because maybe your grandparents weren't Christ followers. Maybe you weren't raised in church. Maybe you were raised in religion. But I want to tell you today that there's a relationship available to you. Here's what I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. All over this room, if you're online, thank you for being here with us. Just bow your heads just for a moment. I want to pray for two types of people in the room today. You're going to say, Pastor, I'm here. And if I'm up front with you, Pastor, there's things in my life that are going to keep me from leaving a legacy. There's things in my life, Pastor, if I'm honest, I'm struggling with. I'm just struggling. I'm struggling with, with self-worth and self-esteem and not thinking I'm enough. And why would God think I'm worthy enough to save me? Why would God do that in my life? So, Pastor, as a result, I have wrong relationships that participate and all kind of unhealthy things. And pastor, I know today that God wants to do something different in my life. Would you pray for me? I wanna pray for you. No one's looking around in a very private moment. You say, pastor, would you include me in that prayer? I wanna see freedom in my life today. I wanna to see deliverance in my life today. I wanna be a different person. All of this room, would you simply just raise your hand? No one's looking, just raise it up. Pastor, would you pray for me? Thank you, come on. Others, raise it up, come on, all over this room. Raise it up, pastor. Would you include me in this closing prayer? Raise it up, I see it, I see it. Come on, raise it up, just another one. There's, there's more, come on, pastor. I wanna receive freedom today. I don't wanna be that person. I want God to bring deliverance into my life. I tell you, this is your moment. God is here, he sees it. You can put your hands down. Here's what I want to say. I want to pray for all of you who raised your hands. I want you to do just what we said before in this room. Turn your hands up like a cup, like God's going to give you something. All over this room, even if you didn't raise your hands, just turn it up like a cup. Come on. God has something for everybody. Father, I pray right now for every person in this room. God, I break the power of the enemy off their life right now. In Jesus' name, I rebuke the power of the deliverer who would lie to them and bring confusion and doubt in their minds. I arrest the power of the enemy right now, and I curse it, and I break it, and I bind it off of them, and I command them to flee out of their life at this moment. I thank you right now, God, for addictions are broken. I thank you, Lord, for self-images are being restored. God, I think that women and men in this room are going to see themselves as you see them, God, in ways that only you can do. I thank you, God, what they thought was the end is just the beginning. And the dream in their heart is children are going to come alive again because you're doing something new and fresh in their life. So, Father, we thank you right now for deliverance happening in all this room. I break alcohol and I curse it in Jesus' name. I curse addiction, propensities off their lives right now. I curse it, fornication and adultery off of them right now. In Jesus' name, I can men freedom and wholeness to come in their life, their heart to be healed their minds to be restored, their emotions to be made new. In Jesus' name, all of this room, God, bring freedom in a way that only you can. God, we thank you for it right now. For every person in this room, Lord, who has their hands turned up, would you give them what they need? God, would you give them a fresh feeling of your Holy Spirit, God, with power and presence right now and authority to change and do what you want them to do. God, I thank you that we're recipients of your glory and of your power right now. And God, would you do it? God, would you give them, would you empower them to be witnesses? Would you empower them, Lord, to lead and change their generation and change their city and change their nation? As a result, leave a legacy of hundreds of thousands of people who know you God would you do that in our life right now in Jesus name just another moment every head bowed and every eye closed you hear today you say pastor 
Today, I need to be upfront with you. I appreciate you, but I'm not a Christ follower. I'm not a religious person. I saw Instagram on Instagram or somebody inviting me and that's why I'm here. And pastor, today I need to meet Jesus. I need my sins to be forgiven. I need to begin a relationship with him. I wanna pray for you. I'll never embarrass you. I'll never ask you to come up front. I'll never single you out. But I do wanna pray for you in this moment because I believe Jesus wants to save you in this very moment. He wants to forgive your sins. He wants to wash them away. He wants guilt and shame and condemnation lifted off of your life. And you're never gonna be the same after this moment. And you're here in this room and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to receive it. Salvation. All I'm going to ask you to do is to say this prayer out loud with me. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody in the room to say it out loud. But you say, Pastor, that's me. I want to receive salvation today of my sins, forgiveness of my sins. I want to receive a relationship with Jesus. I want you to say it and mean it in your heart. And then Pastor Alex is going to come. He's going to tell us about some next steps. So matter of fact, would everyone in the room, would you say this out loud with me? Come and say, Jesus, Jesus. Today, we acknowledge today we acknowledge that we are sinners. We are sinners. We acknowledge today we need a Savior. Would you forgive my sins? Would you cleanse my unrighteousness? And today forward, would you help me walk in relationship with you in freedom from my past, but faith for my future, that you've got a better life and an amazing new beginning and a fresh start today. From this day forward, I'm saved. My sins are forgiven and I'm walking with Jesus. In your name I pray, amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, how good is God? He's a good God. He's an awesome God. Hey, real quick, if you made that decision, if you said that prayer for the first time and you're like, I needed my sins forgiven, I needed forgiveness and I, Today, I declare Jesus, Lord and Savior of my life. Outside, we have what's called a connect tent, and you're going to see the best people out there. We want to give you this free bag. Inside, there's a coffee mug. There's a letter for me and Diana. There's also, more importantly, a Bible. It's for new Christians, for new believers. I want you to pass by. If you know somebody that made that decision for the first time, go by and pick it up. No strings attached. I promise you, we're not asking for anything out there. In fact, we want to give something to you. So make sure you see them. One more time, can we give a hand to everybody that made that decision for the first time? I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for Pastor Spencer's life. Thank you for that word. Beautiful. Beautiful. How to live a legacy life. What would they say at our funeral? What would they say when we're once gone, dead and gone, that our life goes beyond the years that we live on this earth? And I think, uh, I love what he said. It's not how it started. It's how we're going to end it. And a legacy can start with us today. And I pray that today some of us make some of those important decisions in our life to say, I'm going to start living a different life. I'm going to get those five points started in my life. And I know that my family, my children's children, my children's 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 children will know Jesus, serve them, and love them for as long as we can. I love it. I pray that you were blessed today. Remember, this Friday, Encounter starts. We're going to be there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. If you're between 12 and 35, 36, 37, pass by the table. Pastor Phil and all the youth and uh, young adult leaders are out there. Get signed up. If you have a student, if you have a young adult in your uh, house, get signed up. We'll see you Friday. Wednesday, we'll be here for worship and prayer with Pastor David Campbell, and then we'll be over there Friday. Why don't we lift up our hands? We're going to leave out of here worshiping Jesus one more time. 
May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May his glory shine upon you. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. You are a good God. Thank you that because of your spirit and your power, we can live a legacy life. And that many would know more than anything we can do, God, it was all about you, Jesus. We lived for you, a generous life, a big life, serving others, and God, loving our community, loving our world. We thank you, God. Go before us this week. We pray for Wednesday. We pray for encounter. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.